48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Richard Pine. Tonight's headlines. Hong Kong bans all flights from the UK. People who have recently arrived from Britain will have to undergo seven more days in quarantine. And the top court says the government's mass ban it imposed last year is constitutional. Hong Kong will ban all flights from the UK until further notice from midnight after a more infectious variant of the coronavirus hit the country. As Francis Sitt reports, health officials say the new strain hasn't been found here so far. Health Secretary Sophia Chan says anyone who has been in the UK for more than two hours over the past 14 days will be barred from coming to Hong Kong until further notice. This includes Hong Kong residents, but Ms Chan says her department has cleared the move with the Department of Justice. The aim is really to stop this new virus strain from coming to Hong Kong. We think this is the way to go. She said there won't be any passenger flights coming to Hong Kong from the UK under the latest restrictions. Ms Chan said the city's most stringent anti-epidemic measure yet is necessary to prevent the spread of the new variant. She also ordered people who recently returned to Hong Kong from the UK to be quarantined at home for another seven days after they spent the first 14 days at hotels until they test negative for COVID-19. The government also announced all existing social distancing measures, such as a restaurant dine-in ban from 6pm, the shutdown of facilities such as gyms and entertainment venues, and government staff working from home will be extended by two more weeks to January the 6th. A microbiologist with the University of Hong Kong, Siddharth Sridhar, says the UK ban is the right move. We are really uncertain about the impact of this emerging variant on a lot of critical aspects of COVID-19, such as how infectious it is, how transmissible it is, and even the uh, effect on the uh, newly licensed vaccines is actually unclear at this stage. So this is quite a sensible move. The experience from the UK definitely seems to suggest an association between the uh, increased number of cases and the emergence of this variant. So I would be concerned that the same would apply for Hong Kong. Some passengers who arrived before the ban took effect only found out about the new policy when they were asked for a response by journalists at the airport. I didn't know that. I now, got lucky. Now you have to quarantine for 21 days. How do you feel? 21? 21 days. Yeah. Not 14? No, because they just announced a new policy. Uh, it's okay. I think uh, you need to be careful. Uh, yeah, a bit too much. How does it affect you? Uh, it affects my work. Representatives of EU countries are meeting in Brussels to coordinate measures to prevent the spread of the more infectious COVID variant from Britain. France is in reinforcing a 48-hour blockade of passengers and goods from Britain, and many other countries have suspended flights or put in other travel restrictions. The BBC's Gavin Lee says the French are looking for more clarity. The Deputy European Affairs Minister, Clement Bourne, told reporters this morning that the aim is to allow time for three things. To allow scientists to clarify the level of the threat, to coordinate better at a European level and to look for a solution to get French nationals home for Christmas. This morning, the Baltic states of Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania joined Germany, Poland, Italy, Bulgaria and the Czech Republic in closing their airspace to British travellers. EU officials meeting now in Brussels are trying to work out whether the strict travel bans are justified and whether a Europe-wide set of restrictions needs to be coordinated. Hong Kong's top court has dealt a legal victory to the government over the mask ban it introduced at the height of last year's protests. The Court of Final Appeal unanimously ruled that the ban on masks at both authorised and unauthorised rallies is proportionate. Veteran Democrat and lawyer Albert Ho represented the applicants. The Court of Final Appeal now dismissed 
the Court of Appeals decision by saying that any peaceful assembly may turn out eventually to be a violent assembly. We fail to understand how the Court of Appeal would, because of this possibility, then impose such a restriction. Because after all, the police enjoy power to regulate all public assemblies. If an, an authorized assembly turned out to be violent and disorderly, then the police could certainly make an announcement, intervene and declare that the meeting is unlawful. The court also threw out a challenge by pan-Democrats to the constitutionality of the Emergency Regulations Ordinance, the colonial-era law that the government used to impose the mask ban. DAB lawmaker Holden Chow welcomed the judgment. I believe that the court made that very clear. We enjoy the freedom in accordance with the basic law, but at the same time, we'll make sure that the freedom are not being abused, especially like last year when people abused the short of freedom to commit crime or violent protests. The government also released a statement welcoming the judgment. It said in emergencies, the chief executive should have the power to enact needed regulations, especially if LegCo isn't able to act quickly enough. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. LegCo has approved the government's latest COVID-19 relief package. $5.5 billion will go to sectors most affected by the latest social distancing measures. Employees, though, will not get any direct help. The Chief Secretary, Matthew Chung, said the government had to be careful with spending. He spoke through an interpreter. We know many have been left out, many other sectors have been hit. We do know that. But then... Given the fiscal constraints, we have to take this approach. You're right to point out that there may be a fifth wave or sixth wave of outbreak. It's exactly for this reason we have to be prudent in managing our finances. The hospital authority says it stepped up security after a COVID positive patient escaped from hospital last Friday. Meanwhile, residents of three more residential buildings across Hong Kong have been ordered to undergo mandatory testing following a spike in COVID-19 cases at those premises. Here's Vicky Wong. Health authorities said everyone who lives or has visited Shecklin House of Shecklin Estate in Kwai Chung, Yatlai House of Yao Lai Estate in Yao Tong, and Block A of Mingwa Daiha in Shaokei Wan since November the 25th will have to be tested after at least four units at each building reported infections. Authorities will also distribute specimen bottles at Lei Yumun Estate and Tuk Tai Building in Chun Wan after several residents there tested positive. Hong Kong has reported 85 new COVID-19 cases, 78 are local cases, and authorities have been unable to trace the source for 27 of them. There are also about 50 preliminary positive cases. Meanwhile, the hospital authority says it will review its security protocol after a COVID patient fled from his isolation ward in Queen Elizabeth Hospital on Friday before he was found on Sunday night. The Education Bureau says in-person teaching at kindergartens, primary and secondary schools will be suspended for at least one more week than scheduled to January the 10th. But schools can arrange face-to-face classes in special cases, such as for students preparing for public exams or secondary school entrance tests. Macau has begun a mandatory 21-day quarantine requirement for all travellers who've been to anywhere apart from the mainland and Taiwan in the past two weeks. That means those entering from Hong Kong will also be subject to the new measure. These travellers were originally required to go through a two-week quarantine upon arrival. As for those who've been in its territory for fewer than 21 days, they will be banned from going into public venues, government departments or hospitals until they test negative for the coronavirus on the 20th day after arrival. 
The families of the group of 12 young Hong Kong people detained in Shenzhen have urged the authorities to arrange for them to attend the expected trial on the mainland. Wang Yinting reports. Representatives of the families handed in a petition at Immigration Tower, asking mainland authorities to either give them at least 20 days' notice before the trials are held, or exempt them from quarantine arrangements when they cross the border. The wife of detainee Wong Wai Yin said they are worried that the authorities will use the pandemic as an excuse and use administrative measures to prevent the relatives from attending the trial. She fears the hearings will then effectively become a secret trial. The families also want mainland authorities to open the trial to the public and webcast the hearings, as well to provide the contacts of lawyers assigned to defend the detainees. And they are asking the Hong Kong government to help by sending officers to escort them to Shenzhen. Eight of the 12 young people have been charged with crossing the border illegally and two with the more serious offence of organising the trip. The High Court has dismissed a challenge by the Hong Kong Journalists Association over claims that police acted unlawfully by failing to make sure the media could carry out their duties while reporting on protests. Judge Anderson Chow ruled that the allegations simply weren't something that could be dealt with by judicial review, even if they were reasonably arguable. Timmy Sung reports. In its judicial review, the HKJA has submitted 13 statements by journalists, saying they were ill-treated by officers during anti-government protests including being shot with rubber bullets, hit with batons and targeted with tear gas at close range. The group asked the court to treat these statements as prima facie evidence or facts that one can assume are true until they are disproved or rebutted. That's where the court says things went wrong. Mr Justice Anderson Chow noted in a written judgment that the association and the police have no agreement on any of these assumed facts and it would be inappropriate for the court to simply adopt them and make a declaration that the force had acted unlawfully. The critical question is whether the allegations can be proved. These are not matters which can be determined in the present application for judicial review, he wrote. The chairman of the Hong Kong Journalists Association, Chris Young, says while he is disappointed and frustrated with the ruling, they'll continue to pursue all available legal options. We still believe that there are already, say, uh, massive convincing evidence that shows systemic failure of the police in, say, honouring their pledges in police general orders and also uh, Bill of Rights and the basic law. So moving forward, we will... Uh, looking at the ruling again to see uh, how to pursue further the judicial review and separately, we certainly will uh, offer assistance uh, and help of uh, any reporters mentioned in the case or not in, in, in the case that they were presented to the court to seek damages and seek justice via uh, other channels. The police, meanwhile, welcomed the ruling. It said the force respects press freedom and the right of journalists to report. However, it said officers must also balance their duty to facilitate lawful journalistic activities with other considerations, such as maintaining law and order and whether journalists and protesters were acting lawfully. 
Activist Nathan Law says he sought asylum in the UK six months after he fled Hong Kong just before the introduction of the national security law. The former lawmaker says he was seeking asylum because otherwise he would need to renew his SAR passport and that would effectively mean turning himself into a Chinese embassy. Mr Law says he's going through the same stringent asylum protocols as anyone else seeking asylum and hopes his case will raise concern for those seeking asylum from Hong Kong. In his annual Christmas message, the head of the Catholic Church in Hong Kong has called on people to use tech to keep in touch with their loved ones. Cardinal John Tong said 2020 had been a difficult year and that social distancing restrictions have changed how people interact. Cardinal Tong recorded his message over a musical soundtrack. Waiting for the pandemic to be over is too passive. We must adopt a new way of thinking and acting in the context of the digital culture. The concepts of space, language and behavior are transforming us, particularly among the younger generation. We have to face all the challenges and make good use of information technologies to have contact with other people. Consumer prices fell by 0.2% year-on-year in November, unchanged from the month before. Netting out the effect of one-off government relief measures, there was marginal inflation of 0.3% in November, slightly lower than the October figure. The government said private housing rentals saw a modest decline, and there was a smaller increase in the price of fresh vegetables. European Union regulators have approved the merger of the car manufacturing giants Fiat Chrysler with PSA, which makes brands like Peugeot, Citroën and Opel. The US$38 billion US dollar agreement will make the new company the fourth largest car maker in the world. In the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks punched their ticket to the playoffs by using their ground game to beat Washington 20-15. The Seahawks scored two touchdowns on a 50-yard run and finished with 181 yards on the ground. Seattle improved to 10-4. They lead the LA Rams by half a game in the NFC West. The two teams will meet next week. Elsewhere, the New Orleans Saints missed another chance to clinch the NFC South after losing 32-29 to to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers overcame a 17-0 halftime deficit to beat the Atlanta Falcons 31-27. The Bucs now trail the Saints by just one game, and for the first time since 2008, the New England Patriots will miss the playoffs. They fell out of contention after a 22-12 defeat to the Miami Dolphins. The NHL has given its 31 teams the green light to play a 56-game season that begins on January the 13th. But the continuing COVID-19 restrictions mean there are still logistical issues to work out, including where the league's seven Canadian teams will play. The NHL is exploring the option of having all the Canadian teams play in the U.S. to avoid border restrictions. In contrast, the NBA is set to start its new season Wednesday morning Hong Kong time. Its only Canadian team, the Toronto Raptors, will play all of their home games in Tampa. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Hong Kong bans all flights from the UK. People who have recently arrived from Britain will have to undergo seven more days in quarantine. And the top court says the government's mass ban it imposed last year is constitutional. The news from RTHK. RTHK, Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. Hong Kong has joined a growing number of jurisdictions around the world to ban all flights from the UK after a more infectious variant of the coronavirus hit the country. Anyone, including Hong Kong residents, who have been to Britain for more than two hours over the past two-week period will be barred from coming here. 
People who arrived from the UK earlier will have to spend a further seven days in quarantine after completing the original 14 days in isolation. RTHK's Jim Gould asked University of Hong Kong microbiologist Siddharth Sridhar what he makes of the ban. It is to be expected because we are really uncertain about the impact of this emerging variant on a lot of critical aspects of COVID-19, such as uh, how infectious it is, how transmissible it is, and even the uh, effect on the uh, newly licensed vaccines is actually unclear at this stage. So this is quite a sensible move. Uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, people who've recently returned to Hong Kong from the UK will also need to spend a, a further seven days in quarantine at home on top of the 14 days uh, spent in a quarantine hotel. Uh, what do you think of that? I mean, is there a potential risk there? That's prudent as well, because uh, although the majority of people with COVID-19 have an incubation period less than 14 days, there are a small number of people who have longer incubation period of up to three weeks. So as long as uh, they can continue their quarantine at home, they're regularly monitored, preferably with testing during this uh, extra seven-day period, I think uh, that would be a good way to limit the risk of this variant spreading in Hong Kong. And how certain can we be that uh, the new virus, uh, sorry, the new virus strain uh, is not here already? Right. Uh, actually, we have uh, ongoing efforts to sequence the virus and newly diagnosed patients in Hong Kong. So this, this new variant is already in Hong Kong in a few patients. We will know very quickly. Um, um, both universities as well as the government is very actively involved in gene sequencing. So this should be very easy to uh, ascertain. It's meant to be up to 70% uh, more infectious. Uh, what would be the implications for us if the new variant were to get into the Hong Kong community? Right, and because Hong Kong is, uh, the, the population density is so high and people are so packed together and also because it's the cold season which always facilitates virus transmission because of people crowding into indoor places, the uh, chance of it spreading is actually very, very high. So uh, I would exercise due caution. I mean, the experience from the UK definitely seems to suggest an association between the increased number of cases and the emergence of this variant. So I would be concerned that the same would apply for Hong Kong. And what uh, more do we know about this variant? Uh, the, the UK authorities say there's no evidence that it's more virulent or that it would respond uh, differently to vaccines. But what else do we know? We know very little. Uh, it doesn't seem to be associated with increased hospitalizations, intensive care admissions or death uh, to date, although this actually does require confirmation, definitive confirmation from UK. As to the efficacy of vaccines, this is actually a relatively simple thing to figure out, but it's going to take a little bit of time. I expect that we'll have the answer as to how effective the new vaccines are against the strain by uh, sometime in January. And at the same time, all existing social distancing measures here are to be extended until January the 6th. So would you say that's a good move in the circumstances? Well, that's a good move as well, because let's not forget we are dealing with an ongoing community epidemic of COVID-19 in Hong Kong at the moment. And we have uh, several patients, uh, uh, confirmed cases every day, especially people who have acquired COVID-19 from unknown sources. So community transmission of COVID-19 in Hong Kong is uh, very active at the moment. So it wouldn't make sense to suspend uh, the um, social distancing measures at this stage and an extension was definitely on the cards and the government has just confirmed that. 
The High Court has dismissed a challenge by the Hong Kong Journalists Association over claims that police acted unlawfully by failing to make sure the media could carry out their duties while reporting on protests. Judge Anderson Chow ruled that the allegations simply weren't something that could be dealt with by judicial review, even if they were reasonably arguable. Anne-Marie Evans asked the chairman of the Hong Kong Journalists Association, Chris Young, for his reaction to the ruling. Well, very disappointed, of course, and quite frustrated, to be honest, because uh, we we made a lot of effort and managed to get, say, 13 reporters, say, uh, making a statement to give details of uh, all those cases. But the court is not convinced with the approach, what he called uh, assume facts approach. That means uh, accept those statements as facts and on on the basis of which to, uh, to make declaration about uh, police failure. So that's not what we expected. We still think there are plenty and massive evidence uh, in, in footage, uh, in pictures, that clearly show the abuses of power by and violations of law by the police. Now, the judge said that if any journalist thinks that he or she has been subjected to unlawful ill-treatment by officers, they should take the matter to court, so, for example, claim damages. Do you, do you think that that's reasonable? Well, um, that certainly is an approach, but it will be very lengthy and perhaps a costly process for uh, every one of them, assuming that uh, they are willing to do so, to go through that process. Uh, well, that certainly is, um, is one of the means to seek justice. But still, we still believe that there are already, say, uh, massive convincing evidence that shows systemic failure of the police in, say, honoring their pledges in police general orders and also uh, Bill of Rights and the basic law. So moving forward, we will be uh, looking at the ruling again to see uh, how to pursue further the judicial review and separately, we certainly will uh, offer assistance uh, and help uh, if any reporters mentioned in the case or not in, in, in the case that they were presented to the court to seek damages and seek justice via uh, other channels. Now, the judge also said that the, the police's duty to assist reporters is not absolute. Are you worried that that will make reporters' lives more difficult when covering protests? Well... That's a very general statement. I would say nothing is absolute. I think we are not saying that uh, police um, uh, don't have to consider other factors, but those factors must be reasonable and, and, and fact-based, not arbitrary. Um, but there are just so many cases uh, in the last um, 18 months that shows the police have arbitrarily, say, imposed restrictions uh, obstructions and sometimes, uh, e well, even just uh, unlawfully, say, uh, block reporters from doing their their work. I, I, I think certainly that's not what the judge what the judge means when he said that right is not absolute. We would hope that uh, the judge, the judge, the court will make a a better balance between, say, reporters' right and police uh, duty to enforce the law. Many observers have noted a change in Hong Kong government language over the past year, with phrases like collusion with external forces, social stability and legitimate rights repeatedly cropping up in press releases and statements. 
Well, now analysis published in the online international business news organization Quartz has confirmed that change. Legal academic Danny Gittings spoke to Mike Weeks about its findings. Anybody who's followed government press releases, <laughs> as journalists tend to do,、um, for the last year, year or so, has noticed a huge change in language. That what used to be really rather staid affairs are are now full of all kinds of very sharp comments,、um, uh, talking again and again about issues about. National sovereignty and how people、uh, double standards and distortions and so on. But we've now had the first systematic analysis of a、uh, piece in the online journal Quartz, where、uh, they, the authors really deserve a huge credit for wading through 165,000 government statements and press releases, and they've had the first systematic evidence of how the language used by the government has changed over, over the last year. They actually. Call it. This is the year that Hong Kong has begun speaking the Communist Party's authoritarian language, and some very interesting findings. For instance, they 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 found that、um, actually in, in amongst this sharper language,、uh, the Hong Kong government started talking more about human rights than it had in the past. But it started talking about what it called legitimate rights or lawful rights, which was a term that had.、Um, Almost never been used before last year, and it's、um, clearly meant to indicate that there are some rights that are are not legitimate.、Um. And we also we'll be seeing sort of Hong Kong bureaucrats muddying the water in a sense to undermine some of the information that's given out. Yes, I mean, of course,、uh, it'd be very interesting to know more about who's actually responsible for、um, uh, these statements. I mean, some of them are so similar, as this analysis has proved that.、Um, Uh, some is so similar to the language that's been used by the Chinese government by statements from the liaison office. There is a temptation to assume if the language is so similar, they're actually being written outside the Hong Kong government and passed over.、Um, I have actually recently noticed、uh, some examples where、uh, statements from China criticising, in fact,、uh, uh, criticising Britain for、uh, that meeting in London, which Nathan Law met, met with.、Uh, British government minister statement from China was different from the statement issued by the Hong Kong government. The language was very similar, but the points they made were different. So I'm not convinced that this is simply a matter of copying across language that's sent from elsewhere. It, it does appear that、um, uh, either someone new has been hired, or just the whole style of, of people inside uh, uh, the government information services has changed over the last year.、Uh, and I should say, I mean, of course, sometimes it seems a minor point to look at language, but the authors of the, uh, this. Um, Analysis made clear. I mean, language does matter, and I'm not in the slightest、um, sense suggesting we're heading for a dictatorship or something. But they point to analysis between another descent to dictatorship. How how the signs of those did come in the language that was used. Operation Santa Claus 2020 is raising money for 19 charities this year. One of the projects is the STEM Maker in School project by Hong Kong Children in Need Foundation, which aims to help underprivileged primary school students. Radio Three's Andrew Dembina spoke to the foundation's director, Christy Chan. Hi, I'm Christy Chan. I'm the director of Hong Kong Children in Need Foundation, and I'm also the project manager for the STEM Maker in School project. I joined、um, Hong Kong Children in Need Foundation, or HKCIN, since it started in 2019. We're a very young NGO、uh, who envisions a society where every child is offered the opportunity to impart a diverse learning experience, particularly beyond classrooms, regardless of their social and economic situations. 
So we targeted underprivileged kindergarten and primary school students in Hong Kong by providing、um, exposure to music and sports program. And also this year we started STEM program, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. It includes the spirit of being a maker and find your own way to solve real life problems in a more innovative way. We are really passionate about creating an ideal and all rounded environment for underprivileged students to unleash their full potential as a successful adult in the future. So, STEM Maker in School project is a three-year project with three primary schools, where we want to equip their teacher and students with STEM resources and the correct knowledge that they're looking for. So, this project will adopt a train-the-trainer model, where trained teachers with the STEM skills that they're looking for will integrate the STEM contents into their daily classes, like, for example, their major subjects like Chinese, mathematics, integrated science. And after some trial lessons and a tailored STEM curriculum. Provided by our experienced STEM experts, the primary schools then implement it by themselves with continuous support from us. With the support from Operation Santa Claus, we can hire the most suitable trainers for the teachers with the best tailored curriculum that they are looking for, and also the teachers can pass on and implement what they've learned from the trainers to their students and benefit more classes in the future. So STEM education is getting attention in Hong Kong, not only in Hong Kong but in the whole world, as it is so important to our future, particularly in scientific and technology developments. But without adequate exposure, underprivileged students in Hong Kong will lack the qualifications for these jobs in future. So we are not only teaching them the current skills that they need, but we are also investing in their future. But while the government is also training the teachers、um, and come up with some kind of recommendations, there is no existing teaching materials or Lesson programs formulated by them. So the train the teachers part is so important. We empower the teacher to formulate and implement the most suitable STEM direction and also materials that they're looking for, and also empowering students and both of them at the same time to bring a more long-lasting impact to the primary schools. We are really happy to receive the support and also bring this to our partnering primary schools, so that we can also let the parents know why it's so important to learn STEM now, and also kind of relieve the burden to provide more opportunities to underprivileged kids as well. Christy Chan there from the Hong Kong Children in Need Foundation. If you want to know more or wish to make a donation to Operation Santa 2020, visit the Radio 3 homepage or osc.scmp.com. Those stories were part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. The government provides public COVID-19 testing services through different channels. Those without symptoms but feel they have a higher risk of exposure can visit designated public clinics or other distribution points to obtain free test kits. Those having compulsory tests can visit community testing centres for free testing. The centres also provide self-paid services to those needing test reports for personal use. If feeling ill, see a doctor promptly and don't go elsewhere. Radio Three Weather. A look at the weather forecast for tonight and tomorrow: mainly cloudy and dry. Rather cool tomorrow morning, with a minimum temperature of around 14 degrees in town and a couple of degrees lower over the new territories. Sunny periods during the day tomorrow. Maximum temperature will be around 19 degrees, and the winds we can expect will be moderate northeasterly and fresh at times. The outlook: mainly cloudy, with one or two light rain patches on Wednesday and Thursday, with temperatures rising slightly during the Christmas holiday. 
Currently, the air quality health index here in Hong Kong is moderate. The readings are four and five. At the observatory, the air temperature is 17 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity stands at 60%. And a reminder, the fire danger warning is red, which means the fire risk is extreme. Getting us started for the second half of the late show for this winter solstice 2020. That's the sound of Brenda Lee rocking round the Christmas tree. I'm Simon Wilson, keeping you company all the way through until one sitting in for the world's most durable DJ, Uncle Ray, as he takes time off during this current COVID spike and to enjoy Christmas. I'm playing assorted ballads and easy listening through till one. If there's something you'd like to hear, add your favourite song to the playlist. 233-88266 is the number. All sorts of goodies coming up. A hint of nostalgia and one or two Christmas songs too. From the 1970s, included in the soundtrack of the movie Stud, this is 10cc. I'm not in love. Just a silly phase I'm going through And just because I call you up Don't get me 